Okay. Hello, this is Josie Long and welcome to Robin Ince's and Josie's Book Shambles, episode 51. I'm going to put it out there. And uh, yeah, we're thrilled to be back and to have you back. And today we have uh, the wonderful special guest that is Rhys Shearsmith. Hello. Should we say the actor, writer and broadcaster? broadcaster. Always a broadcaster. Everyone's yeah. a broadcaster. Everyone's a broadcaster. We were well. We've, we'll start exactly what we were talking about before the mics were turned on, which yeah. was I was mentioning Harlan Ellison, who uh, is one of those writers who written an enormous number of of short stories, of non fiction, a great collection of TV reviews called The Glass Teat, <laughs> and from the nineteen seventies. He is a uh, and he wrote City on the Edge of Forever, which is the episode of Star Trek with Joan Collins, where uh, Spock has to wear a little woolen hat to cover up his pointy ears, and we. Just just got on to well, we were mentioning Outer Limits because I have yes. a book of his short stories called Shatter Day, and you went, oh, That sounds like Outer Limits. Now, he wrote The Demon with the Glass Hand. Oh, right, yes. And the one. episode with Charles Bronson, which is about a kind of future soldier war thing. I think that's what it is. Oh, right, that, he, okay. that Terminator a bit, yeah, yeah, rips off just enough for him to be able to sue James Cameron. Right. And did he win? I think he did, because the problem was James Cameron kept saying, apparently, in interviews, and I kind of wanted it to be a little bit like an Outer Limits episode. And someone right. eventually went, you know that thing he wants to be like? A, I think it is very like an Outer Limits <laughs> Yeah, right. Oh, I see, yeah. Oh, Shatterday, that rings a bell. It reminds me of it. There was a... It was an anthology series. It could have been Tales from the Dark Side. And it was about a man that rings himself up and he's at his own house. And he's, he accidentally rings that his house, but then he picks up. That's like, him. there's a Roger Moore film. What's the it called? Who the Man Who Haunts Himself. Yes. Yeah, yeah, a, bit, a little bit like that. A little bit like that bit in... Um, the David Lynch, when he says, I'm at your house now, that was horrible. Yeah, the Lost Highway. Lost Highway, yeah. But that it's a whole thing about his kind of doppelganger thing. But I'm, and I think it was called Shatterday. But that's by coincidence, anyway. So we have to start, obviously, the last time that we were together was showing a double bill of Dead of Night, the yeah. fantastic Ealing horror film, and then Deathline, yeah. or Raw oh, Meat for Deathline. our American listeners, yeah. which both of us were just saying. Now, the thing about when... You hadn't seen it on the big screen before Never. either, had you? no. So and it, it, we were both amazed at how extraordinarily transformed it was into a horror film. You know, it was it became really all the jump scares in it, particularly the bits on the on the underground, were so powerful. I mean, it was like a different film. I remember it being quite kind of too comedic to, to be taken seriously for quite a long time into it. I mean, obviously Donald Pleasance is brilliant in it, but it was really properly scary. Something of the um, Texas Chainsaw feel about it. It was genuinely uh, quite horrible, wasn't it? Well, also, because everyone remembers it for the Mind the Doors, because it's the only thing that he can say, and it is Mind the Doors, not Mind the Gap, right? Don't pick me up on this. And so you remember it as a funny, old, lonely cannibal. Yeah. And you watch it again and you go, this is one of the saddest... Didn't you say, was it Ramsey Campbell? Yeah, Ramsey Ramsey Campbell said that the actor that gave that performance as the man, as he's called in the credits, is one of the most haunting in theatre, in cinema, you know, because you genuinely feel... Sorry for him. The plight of this man with his wife down there in the in the in the sewers, whatever, and um, you genuinely feel that utter pathos for his predicament. And and sorry for him every time anyone bashes him on the head with a, mm. with a stick or a, or a rock, which is what they seem to do every five minutes to him. Yeah, he's got this this big scar. Yeah, they're all got... ill and covered in sores and that long tracking yeah, shot. Yeah, you of... do feel his pain, don't you? Like you just give him some antibiotics, he'll be all right in ten days. Now, I wanted to obviously, we're going to talk about horror on this one because uh, at least two of us here, possibly you as well, Josie, are well, it's it's a genre that we embraced when we were quite young. Oh, absolutely. Probably too young. Yes, absolutely. Uh, 
And I, I want... Go on. This yeah. is slightly derailing. I bought you, when I was in Portland, I bought you some horror comics for this one and I fucking left them at home. But they Which were, ones are they? Well, I love them. They were sort of uh, from tales of sort of mystery and there was one and it and on the front of it, it's got a skeleton opening an elevator and there's people saying, but there isn't a 13th floor. And he's oh, like, how is that? Right. And there's one about the haunted buggy. Is Anyway, pointless me saying, I'm so frustrated. So I when you say the haunted buggy, do you mean you've got me a copy of Herbie Goes Banana? <laughs> yeah, but I changed bananas to buggy. <laughs> anyway, it's um, but yeah, I absolutely right. got into. Well, I, I was thinking about something we've briefly horror. touched on on an, another one, which is I was at that Doctor Who festival. Uh, oh, right, where, and, and Mark Gators were there as yeah. well, and we were having a chat, and we were kind of talking about the fact that for the kids that were slightly on the outside, the necessary, the, those that were not picked within the first, shall we say, nine for a team at school. Yeah. There's something about horror, there's something about science fiction, something about imaginative fiction, something about the images that are conjured up in, for instance, some of the books you've got here. And I wonder, yeah. for your experience, what was it? When did you first go, oh, this, because the book you've got, in fact, let, just, let's just talk yes. the first book. Well, I've got, you mean Supernatural World? Was Actually, the, you mean the, the Alan Frank? Well, it's, well, the Alan Frank book of the, tre- the movie Treasure of Horror Movies um, by Alan Frank is, is is the book I think that we all had collectively as as kids. It's got some of the the greatest stills from across the the, the plectrum of horror that films that we were kind of so enamoured of and, and you know, Tales from the Crick, brilliant stills. These were films that I used to get on a on a very cloudy um with a small um portable television. I was in Yorkshire and I couldn't get tiny teas, except with a very, very um dodgy kind of uh, wiggling of the aerial for most of the film and I would occasionally get Fear on Friday no one can find me the ident for Fear on Friday if anyone's out there can discover it then I would be most grateful because I very clearly remember an ident for Fear on Friday for Untainty's Anglian region it's never been shown to me um and that, and there was, there are stills in there of some of the film. Vault of Horror was never on ITV. It was always on Tyne Tees, It seemed to me. So there was some that was so you know, waiting to to finally see. Scars of Dracula was another one. And um, you know, we were talking about earlier the uh, the what was the one you said that the one that you should never see actually, but is a, a oh Frozen Dead. Frozen, Frozen Dead, Dead yeah. yeah. There's a still in that that looks fantastic, and it's one of the ones that you probably shouldn't see. I don't think I've ever seen it actually. But it was such an exciting world to be uh, to have presented to me in those pictures, you know. And I think that's how I first discovered it. It was books, and then it was eventually sneaking through my sneaking downstairs and watching the, the double bills, you know, the ones that we only a few weeks ago recreated at the in the Phoenix. Oh, so much fun. Yeah, it was well, great. The false promise of these books, because that was the first one that's I had. Problem, I got that it? when yeah. I was eight years old. There's a fant- There's the frozen dead, by the that's way, if you're it. wondering. They're dead and they're frozen. That's they're like, very much summed up in that image. Yeah. That's like Dead Snow. Have you seen that recently? I've not seen film? the Nazi zombie movie. Nazi yes, zombies. yeah, yeah, I've seen it quite recently, it's, actually. It's yeah. pretty good. It was good, yeah. Yeah, it was relentless. Because <laughs> the, the false promise in Alan Frank's book is a fantastic image from yeah. Vault of Horror, yes. where Michael Craig and Tom Baker and uh, Daniel Massey, they're all skeletal zombies. So when yeah. they walk out, when they're, spoiler alert, by the way, it turns out they're all dead. Yeah. Um, when they walk out of that lift, we see this image, this fantastic image of these kind of decayed yeah, zombies. And that's not in the film. It's not in the, in the film, yeah. They, they, they just die at the end of it. They come out of the lift and they're told they're in hell and they're dead. And that image of them with their their felt 
um, puckered eyes is not ever ever seen. It was cut. I wonder if it's ever a version of it that was. So it was in a trailer. Out. Well, I'll show it you. It's in the still I'll, I'll find in that book. It for you. It's there, in there, that there's book. A still. God, that's and it was like, wow, what's that film? And then you you find a scene. It's not in the film. But that happens sometimes, doesn't it? They've thought that looks really good, even though it's not in our film. But let's put it let's put it out there. See, I was shocked by this image of King Kong, yeah. in which King Kong towers above uh, just the whole of the city. He's absolutely enormous. He he is twenty times the size of a building. And so when I first saw King Kong on a Friday night, uh, you know, kind of, I was like, well, he's just he's quite tiny. a big yeah. gorilla. He's not this <laughs> giant a big gorilla. gorilla. Yeah, yeah. Giant this gorilla. is not nearly as good. So, do you remember in terms of these images, these these wonder? I mean, how old were you when you got this book, for instance? I must have been ten. <laughs> 10 or 11 I mean t- totally inappropriate really Yeah, especially and... now knowing what it's like to be a dad and think, trying to s- stop your children seeing images and things although I, I think it's you know it's, you're on a hiding to nothing as far as trying to keep them away from something that might frighten them later that evening because it's you know it's something innocuous as a, a Teletubby or a, a strange looking crow that might actually stay with them Mark Gatiss talks about how he was you know he saw all these images, but it was a little picture of Jesus with his eyes rolled up to the heavens that was the thing that actually used to terrify him at night. You know, Jesus he saw it in a church. A <laughs> I don't know if he was having a seizure, but he was, <laughs> he was certainly just, you know, the classic look of Jesus, but that was what scared him. But I think you can't legislate for what is going to stick with you and frighten you. Mm. And yes, I think there is something of the, the um, you know, that you're talking about staying indoors and being one of those children that just... I, I was a very bookish child and without... I, I used to get by making people laugh, I think, a little bit. I've not always been like a comedian or joker, but that was the thing that I think people liked me for, if they got to know me. Because I was very introvert and quite quiet. But the horror and the Edgar Allan Poe and the Sherlock Holmes, it was all just, I used to stay in my room and read. I was one of these kids, that the, the mum comes in. They're all knock, they're, they're knocking on the door, come out, get outside. Pull, pull your curtains back and play outside. They're all asking for you. No, I'm all right, I'm all right. And I would stay in and read horror films and what, read horror books and just um, kind of shy away from hanging around threshers with a <laughs> bottle of wine in my hand like all the other kids. That's my favourite line, by the way, from Marky e. Smith's book, Renegade, <laughs> in which he talks about moving back to where he always lived and he talks about the great shops there and he goes, bargain booze. They've got some really good offers sometimes. <laughs> and it's, kind of, it's a wonderful mix where one moment he's talking about Camus and the influence of Camus right, yeah. and, and wanting to make Dead of Night. This is a lovely thing. Oh, Marky right. e. Smith, one of his favourite films is Dead of Night and he's always meant to get round to writing a screenplay that replicates this wonderful mixture of posh golfers. and um... Yes, yeah. So do you remember that moment of when... The certain amount of freedom where you are placed in a social situation beyond school or maybe wherever it was, yeah. where you went, I have found others like me. Because obviously, you know, Steve and yeah, you and Mark course, still yeah. have a very... Cl- you've what, known each other since you were 18 years old? Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. God, it is that long, isn't it? Um, I think it was probably um, secondary school that there were some kids that I could relate to as far as watching. I mean, it was video nasties that we were all watching then. And, um, my friend Robert and my other friend Phil and we did used to kind of uh, dare each other to watch first of all get into one of the shops and hire them out if, if you were able to do so remember that thing of videotapes where you used to hire them and that everything in the world would be on the shelves available seemingly available and you'd finally choose and go is it this one yes and you'd march to the to the counter and give it to the man and then it's out mm. <laughs> you couldn't get it because it was out and you had to be returned there's no indication there's a sticker on it 
and they or would just save me off. the trouble. Take it off. Or take it off and it's not there for you to be tantalised by. Yes, exactly. We used to what? have this oh, woman sorry. that came The brood, I think we got. She had like um, a big laundry bags full of pirated oh, VHSs really? and you could rent them off her and you could choose them. And my parents were very religious and so I wasn't allowed to choose anything that had any like kissing or sex in, but I was allowed... Any 18 horror film How that weird. I wanted. I think I just didn't really realise. They yeah. were just like, oh, well, that can't be a worry. So I just saw nothing but pirated horror films wow. between the like 9 of and 12. They'd have, they would all have a little yeah, bit. Yeah, of course in, they do, yeah. Because that's, that's who deserves to be that's killed. That's the sin, yeah. That's yeah. what you can't do, otherwise you're killed. Yeah. See, that links back to what Selena Golden was saying when she was on, which is she, we were talking about Lenny Bruce. Yeah. And, of course, Lenny Bruce had that great routine about that he wouldn't want his child to see King of Kings because he doesn't want to teach his son to crucify, the, you know, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He would rather see, you know, his son see a sex film because the worst weapon there is in that is a pillow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what was that that is going to that you know the video nastiest thing and what was the, what was the first I know this is we should probably be talking about books but it doesn't matter because these are books as well Monster Club by R Chedwin Hayes Absolutely that was the first thing that I remember the first horror film I saw on VHS was around my cousin's house where I saw Scanners which right. I didn't think was very scary till I got dropped off and had to walk down the lane ha! then I did yeah <laughs> but Monster Club was the first one having having gone up to the counter with Mad Max and being right. told no you are 13 um <laughs> and then Monster Club so I remember, right. what was your first one that you remember getting home in? I think it was the Brood. It was one of the. Oh, it was one that might have been the Brood. Might have been. What's the one with Oliver Reed and the giant snake? And he gets. Is it? Oh, it's not. Oh, hang on. There's, oh, well, venom. there's venom, venom, which is not giant snakes, but that's the one that bites him on the uh, penis. I think it, that, it might have been that. It might, I mean, I did. Rem, I did see The Exorcist far too young as well, which is you know horrific. I only now. saw The Exorcist last year. Really? I loved it. Did you I, love it? Yeah, it's really I, horrible, isn't it? Yeah, but I think I, I can't, maybe it was. Just, it's one of those things that's so culturally embedded. It just yeah. became like, like I I've feel been putting I've seen it, it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was so wonderful. It just yeah, as better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I thought really... it was going to be a bit like unsuccessful in what it did. Yeah, no, I think it's a good, solid, horrible film. It see, it feels evil to me. That film. Mm. I don't know and it's sad. Was... And it's really sad, yeah, absolutely. He's such a good priest. Yeah, <laughs> it is a sad ending, actually. Yes, I didn't think of that. See, the third one, I think, has got some brilliant moments oh, in brilliant. it. Brilliant. Absolutely So terrifying. underrated, yeah. It's, it's kind of the damage is done by the second one, but the third one is great, yeah. Well, The Brood, I I'm, sure, I'm sure it's on the internet, had one of the best trailers ever, because I didn't see it till I was probably well, yeah, 18. It was like with the, yeah. the uh, CC... Uh, the, um, footage, footage of people going ah! watching it in the cinema ah! being terrifying. terrified this is the brood the brood this is the brood was that the first the time they did that because they've done that I think bit. it had been done before it was a William oh. Castle trick in some way yeah ways, yeah it? it feels like one of the one of the earliest times they did it but mm. um, you know they've done it now Jeremy and and Andy and I and nicked it for ghost stories. You know, people's reactions to a thing, but you don't, you're not seeing the thing. So all you instantly want to know is what's the thing? I've got to go and see it. And it hooks you in brilliantly. But um, yeah, I think that was an early horror that I saw. And I think like the burning, you know, all these ones that are quite horrible. Oh, see, I love the burning because I do have 50 pence HMV sale, 1984, uh, Rick Wakeman's wonderful soundtrack to the burning, right. which you can hear uh, someone dancing around a miniature version of Stonehenge all the way through. <laughs> it's one of those soundtracks Brilliant. where you go, I'm not sure this worked for the film. Yeah. But it's, uh, What's it's, the what, plot of the it's about Crapsy, right? Crapsy is a kind of creepy oh, caretaker. There's a great documentary about that. that no, was it's out a separate recently. Cropsy. Oh, yeah. That's oh. not the same Cropsy. Oh, We're doubling up on our Cropsies yeah. here. Really? Cropsy gets horribly burnt and then takes his revenge on a camp of people having some sex nearly. No, That's the right. Cropsy Legend documentary is about a similar thing. It's, it's about a similar thing, but I don't think yeah, 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 yeah. 
And the yeah. legacy was the other one I saw very early on. And these are all these eighties video. With boxes. Roger Daltrey. Roger Daltrey choking on a having chi- to have a tracheotomy, yeah, and then he never even had a chicken sandwich. That was oh. that's the reveal. He's like, but he didn't have the chicken sandwich. Yeah, tracking out to me, horrible. What, so Please can you put that in inside number nine? I demand Somehow that they... by the seventh series, one of the men <laughs> would just you turn to camera going, but he never had a chicken he sandwich. He never had the chicken sandwich. We wouldn't do that. People would get it. But um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that was another one, my uh, very early one that I saw. And one of them is because um, people are being killed one by one. One of them seems to be just that the shower's too hot. Remember that? He burn, burns himself in the shower. He doesn't die, but he just gets, it gets really hot. Just the get start out of the of shower. The well, he does. <laughs> Ow! Ow! Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what the door's a little bit jammed, but I'm going open with a push. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, there's a catalogue of um, things I shouldn't have seen. But um, book-wise, yeah, they were all horror books and they're all ghost stories. And, um, you know, this other one here, I've got The Usborne Guide to the Supernatural World. Which, which I think I haven't three. seen that for ages. Wow. And I'm okay. going straight onto eBay to get that copy. I don't know how much that'll go for yeah. now. That was, with the making of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. that was one of the books that I most took out of Chorleywood Library. Yeah. I, I love this book. Great. And it's I got, just, you know, it's got little... That This is one of my favourite things ever. Just the, the graphic design of the it. The inside of so... the Borley Rectory. And it's, it has a whole, you know, and they're little drawings. They're like the uh, Osborne Guide. Well, it, well, they were. In fact, they had Osborne Guide to Jokes and Tricks. And there was Supernatural. And this one is three books in one. And I used to pore over every single detail of it. And it's kind of an encyclopedia of types of ghosts, types of hauntings, famous um, devils. And there's vampires and werewolves and there's... Um, Mystery, mysteri- the mysterious world, which is more psych- um, psychic stuff, and there's ghosts and hauntings, and uh, yeah, it was another one of my all time. That's not the one I had from childhood. I've lost that one. That's that is an eBay one. So you'll get, you'll be able to get it, Robin. Oh, I love. It's because it's done in exactly the same way that they did the how the Greeks used to live. Right. So they did proper history ones yeah. that were, and they're going. Well, we should deal with werewolves, vampires, ghosts, and hauntings yes. with the same intellectual and educational that's rigor. Right. That's right. That. Because there's a wonderful, there's an I Spy book, which I can't get hold of, which is oh, an I Spy book yes. of Ghosts and Hauntings. Yes, there is. And you think, well, trucks are reasonably easy. Yeah. Ghosts, as we know, even with the best quality equipment, very hard to yes, catch yeah, absolutely, 52 yeah. different ghosts <laughs> in the I Spy book. Yeah. I yes. just like the fact that it's it's exactly like you say, it's told like matter of fact, yeah. like you're learning something from and history. factual, yeah. But also just no... It's so vague as well. So it's, a policeman named Yin saved a woman from being hanged by the ghost of a suicide. The spectre became angry and tried to kill Yin instead. They fought until dawn. When the ghost grew weak and turned into a piece of what, rotten wood. That's yeah, that. That's you've, learned great, that. Yeah. Yes, you've learned oh, that. Oh, it's yeah. a lovely book. I don't know when it was. Don't yeah, know where it was. Great. Doesn't matter. So who were the, in terms of, oh, what a great werewolf. That is a fantastic introducer. Introducing werewolves. Yes. Again, that is just like, you know, introducing the Roman way of life. <laughs> yes. or introducing, yeah, yeah. introducing werewolves. And that is, that's a really fascinating yeah. kind of, it's, it's a werewolf, but it also has a look of the kind of, you know, post-punk, mm. you know, skin era yeah, as, as does, well yeah. to it. I used to have a lot of books that were like 99 worst female serial killers or like right, 98 yeah. supernatural mysteries yeah. that kind of had to rank everything. Yeah, I had oh, a lot yeah. of books on witchcraft as well. Oh, witchcraft yes. and demonology. See, the, oh, I've got those as well. Have you yeah, still got yeah. your ones? I've still got my own ones, yeah. That That is the witchcraft. Because also there would always be a picture of a middle-aged nude woman doing some kind of incantation, That's which right, at that yes. point was the hottest thing mm. we'd ever seen. Yes, yeah. um, Did you ever send off for those books that were like telling you how to teleport? 
No, like, what are you talking about? It's like in the you have to remember magazine. you are much younger than us, Jesse. So before I'm yeah. teleport technology was probably not something that existed for us in the 1970s. Well, you'd you'd see an advert in the back of a thing, and it would say like, "Have you wanted to read minds? Have you wanted to be able right. to transport your desires to you?" And then you'd send off for this book, and it would be like printed on kind of soft cream card. Like really? only, but little pamphlet, really. Yeah, yeah. And it would tell you these tricks. Like there'd be one where it. you have to like imagine them in a bubble, and then right, they would come yeah. to and stuff like that. But I, I thought you, I thought you guys would have been yeah, prime no, targets. I, didn't. For I that. did send away for the Daily Mirror. Used to, I think it was the Mirror, but it was called Very Special People. And basically, it was about it was like the Todd Browning book of mm. freaks is what it was. I mean, people you know that used to tour in freaks had it had, um, you know, the one that was in freaks, the one that played um, Tom Thumb. Gen- yeah. General Tom Thumb, mm. and it had various pictures, and it was it was kind of like a, a ghoulish thing to want to look at, but it was all their lives, and you know, the, um, Amelia Pastrana or something is her name, the um, mule-faced woman, and all these, and the Elephant Man, of course, they had him in it as well, and it was like a it's very small pink book full of all these different um, deformities, basically. It was kind of quite horrible, like a medical book, but it was wrapped up in the idea of like a P.T. Barnum. These people used to, you know, have overcome such horrors of the world and they've been taught and but it was it was it felt like it was a pamphlet of the time not kind of outside of still being kind of wrong to be looking at them with that kind of ghoulish fascination but uh yeah i got it for i think it was like it was a big deal to wait for it remember how long you used to sit and wait for things you'd ordered to come mm-hmm. through on the postal service i remember waiting for for uh, horror books or um i got the um creep show they did a book, a, a illustrated book of that. Mm. I waited forever for that to come. Flyer, um, it's defunct now, but it was a. Uh, was it in it Lewisham? Because there was remember. one place, Quality Comics, which was eventually right. based in Lewisham, and before that, right. And Lewisham was this kind of rather magical place, <laughs> Lewisham, the idea where there was a secret, you know, yeah. a secret warehouse filled with your darkest dreams. Yeah. You would wait day after day. I remember it like two to three weeks. It seemed like endless. You know, the idea of having to wait that long for this thing. Every morning looking down. It was a reason to live. That's what it felt like. Ha. I'll get by these school days by waiting for this book to come. It'll the, be so brilliant when it finally does. Yeah. I was just the creep show film is something yeah. that has like never left me. Really? But it's one of my favourites. It's, it's a great the, anthology. The guy with all the cockroaches coming yes, out. Yes, yeah. E. G. Marshall, yeah. E. G. Marshall, yeah. In some there's what's it called? There's something Oh God, I can't believe I don't remember the title of the story. We're all very tired. You'd be trying on a lot of wigs today. I have you, been, so. yes. Uh, that's it. Call that one. There's some something. No, not something to tide you over is the Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson one. Yeah, oh, that one is great. It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, that's the best element of those. Is the fact that they. Take oh, it's these called they're creeping freeze. up on you. That's right. Yeah. yeah, it's great, isn't it? That yeah, that film is really good. And, and the turning into the magazine and those stills from the comics. I so wanted that magazine. Slightly disappointed in the um, Bernie Wrightson version of it because he did the cartoons who was and he was an ec um illustrator but it's not exactly the film stills mm. when they begin and end i was like slightly annoyed that it wasn't i made my own and sent it to multicolor swap shop and oh, it was mentioned i think there's a bit of mike footage reed, we're looking for by mike reed and i got a load of stickers back yes it is a bit of footage so that, and what was the other one? Fear on Friday. Fear so on Friday, if anyone out there yeah. has the ident for Fear on Friday, <laughs> or, uh, and, and we have this lovely uh, comic book that. of some disembowelings uh, yeah. from uh, Reese Shears. That's, That's, right. Right. That's <laughs> a lovely way he's done the entrails. Lovely little kind of pinky red. Well, it was, really I don't know if work. it was, or maybe I've misremembered that bit, but it was certainly, um, I got a load of um, nice stickers back with, and they'd signed it all like they'd, uh, they'd watched it. But I remember setting it off thinking, will I ever see this again? I put so much time into it. 
but that is Sandy Bank. That's a lovely idea of take heart going, remember, we cannot return your darkest um, imaginings, yes, but they will remain with you forever. <laughs> this is Now, this book here, The Osborne Guide to Supernatural World, also includes uh, the final book in the series is uh, about special powers, mysterious powers and strange forces. Now, I remember that, that things like the movie Treasure horror, horror movies, I have a slightly different edition, actually. The, right. the horrifying image from... Uh, that, is that satanic? That's Christopher Lean. I think it's Scars. Which one is that? Is it Scars of Dracula? I think it's probably it is. That's where he's it's in the bushes, so horrible. It? Yeah. Um, and, and that ended up actually, that's only on the back page of, right. of, of my, oh, my version. Right, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, and, but I remember, yeah, you know, I bought all these books and Dennis Gifford. And then I thought, well, Eric von Daniken, he seems like a very wise man. And I would go and see films like they, they would show the documentary about the Bermuda Triangle. Right. Yeah. Would be part of a double bill with something else that was rubbish. <laughs> and so by getting into horror movies, even though now the majority of things I do are about science, I got into loads of pseudoscience. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Did that happen to you as well? Did you buy those crappy well, books? Well, uh, only via um, The Unexplained. Because The Unexplained was, I don't know whether you would know this, but uh, you could buy them. It was a weekly publication that had, it covered everything, poltergeist behaviour, um, EVP, electronic voice phenomenon, and UFOs, and Geff the talking mongoose, and it had all the things of the world of the, that we we find unexplained. You built oh, the it talking up. mongoose. I met yeah, the journalist, yeah. no. the, the son of the journalist. Jeff. I, so I showed happened? it because there was a talking mongoose on the Isle of Man. Isle of Man. I've yeah. definitely heard of Jeff the talking man. Yeah. I like to call it Geff. I, I prefer that as a more because it's <laughs> written G E F, and I always thought it was Geff, and then I, I heard someone call it Jeff, and I was like, it's not as good, it's not as you creepy know. as Geff. But he was apparently a mongoose. He's in there, I think, in the supernatural world. Now. And he, he bites. There was one particular bit. Oh, maybe it's not in that one. But he uh, he was a talking mongoose. And uh, there's one point where he bit the owner of the house and then told him in perfect English, in clipped perfect English, to put ointment on the wound. Put some ointment on the wound, it said. So a little crack in the in the <laughs> ceiling. And it's on the Alaman. It's a very creepy story. It turns out, I think, that it was the daughter and the... The mother that were making it all up for publicity. I'm not quite sure the. Industry. I'm not entirely sure. In... I think the jury's very much still out well, yeah, on whether probably. Geff spoke or not in yeah. English. <laughs> but he was on. You know, he went on the buses. He spoke to people on the buses. They all knew him as a little celebrity. But it's in this very um, weird remote part of the Isle of Man called Cash and Gap. Is where Geff lived in his. And then was that on television? Was I don't think it was ever on television. There is is crying out to be done as a drama. I'm going to do it. Yeah. I want to do it as a. As a one hour or three one hours maybe it wouldn't stretch out for that far but uh, yes you get um, a good 20 minutes out you get a good 20 minutes yeah this is hour. great. This is I've forgotten how good this was. A lovely picture of Yuri Geller. Yuri Geller looking uh, young. Done, done oh, in yeah, uh, very yeah. wide selection of pencils there. Yeah. The beautiful. Uh, but that is. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so that was all part of the unexplained, and you you bought it week by week, like these murder mm. these magazines you can get that are murderers, and you collect them, and you could get. And I think there's about. 20 volumes of it and I've got them all you know but I collected them religiously the entire lot that's quite funny they only lasted 20 volumes because that tells the whole story that's about it. who it's wrote all, it and all ran mystery it. yeah absolutely yeah. and it was all, it's all quite ropey now but there's you know at the end of each 20 sets you would get an, uh, uh, an index that would go on the back of that volume mm. and then you'd have a, and you slowly build up this your, your encyclopedia of knowledge which was great and so that was why I would probably have gone into slightly more Pseudo scientific elements because it would have things in you know that, that would that would stray from horror. But I was more interested in the ghosts and the uh, the monsters in, in the the, uh, the, the Bigfoot. 
Oh, the Bigfoot footage is still, it's Amazing. kind of haunting, even though you know, do you know the background story of how they found out no. that it really was definitely someone in a, a suit? Do you remember the goodies when Graham Garden did it? Yeah. So Arthur C. He does it. In fact, Graham Garden's impersonation of Arthur C. Clarke is spot on. Really? It's a really good it? Arthur That's C. Really Clarke impersonation. Well, he, does, he does the Bigfoot one, but he goes, ah, that was me. Does <laughs> <laughs> the arms flapping backwards and forwards. No, so tell us what, it's definitely a hoax. Well, the, what they noticed, they looked at this footage, right? And have you ever seen the Bigfoot footage? Oh, yeah. Right, so they were looking at going, well, it does very much, and there's a lovely bit, I think, in the Arthur C. Clarke Mysterious World book where they said, Chinese scientists confirm that there's no way a man could walk like this. <laughs> this right. lovely kind of, why have you had to go to China? Yeah. Well, they very much specialise <laughs> yeah. in the uh, yeah, wood-based monsters walking <laughs> yeah, styles. Yeah. And uh, there's... So the footage, because it's so, it's one of, but someone noticed that there's actually the eyes reflecting some light. One of the eyes reflects light. Right. And our eyes don't actually reflect, you know, it doesn't bounce off the, the eyes. And uh, so they they thought, hang on a minute, that must mean who, this either it's a, a Bigfoot that has a glass eye or similar, or the man they put in the costume has a glass eye. And eventually they found the bloke who basically was a gorilla costume with an American football helmet underneath to bulk out the head. Right. And it was a man with one glass eye. Right. And, and it was a glass eye. It was a glass wow. eye. That was the. Uh, but That's the fact. I don't think it was their main bit of research. I think they were working on other things. But every now and again, they go, as a relax, <laughs> let's continue to try and debunk <laughs> this clearly a man in a costume yeah. footage because we want to get the luck. best evidence possible. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure other people could still say, oh, it was actually Bigfoot that fashioned a glass eye. And that is typical of modern science poo pooing yeah. our great Sasquatch. Do you know myths. what I used to be really obsessed with and really wish I would encounter? Yeah. Uh, spontaneous combustion. Yes, well, that was in the uh, Unexplained as well, that horrible picture of that foot with a bit of tight left on it in a, in a grate. And you think, what's happened there? What is that about? We don't get it anymore, <laughs> do you? It's kind of gone out. You never get it anymore. It's gone, yeah. It's like seatwalking with people with arms in front of them. <laughs> you used to get it all the time in the 70s. You don't get it now. Well, someone linked it to... Or quicksand uh, deaths. No one does Yeah, never quicksand any quicksand. No. I used to read the 14 times when I was a little Yes, kid. I still get the old copy of that one. I'm oh, I what's still get like 14 times. Great. I think I'm going to get 14 times. Well, it's, it's um, nice. Alan Moore's dear friend, uh, Steve Moore. Yeah. Was still continues writing for it. And it is a really... Because what I like about it, if you get Nexus magazine, and you go, ah, oh, this is bonkers. And 14 times just goes, well, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it never says, it just goes, here's some weird shit that happened. How about this, guy? It's a lot of fun for yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. They had absolutely. a great, um, what was in it? They had a lovely article about Stanley Kubrick uh, and all the myths about the fact that it was him who was behind the moon landing footage. Oh, yes. And at no course. point does it go, maybe. It just kind of goes, here's the story. Yeah, yeah, this is <laughs> the story. And, and I, I, love for, I love the fact that a vicar reviews the horror movies. Yeah. And has his favourite horror movies. He I was lo- great I like on that. telly. What was he on on telly You're not when I was a kid? You're not the Reverend Lionel Fanthorpe, oh. who's a Different vicar. Sorry. No, that's all right. I said vicar in 14 times. He was. Lionel Fanthorpe. In fact, if Frank Skinner ever listens to this, and I'm sure he won't, right? I once did a science fiction uh, kind of event at the British Library, and I had two Lionel Fanthorpe books that I'd been given, like the science fiction that he wrote in the early 60s, late 50s, early 60s. And I said to Frank Skinner, oh, these are brilliant. Have a look at this. And I, I gave him one, and he went, oh, thanks very much. That's really nice of you. So, no, 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 no! I mean, look, have a look at it. Yeah, but what are you doing? How can oh, I ask for it back? Stop being no. so timid. You should have just said to him I quite know. clearly. That's exactly the kind of scenario that I would find myself in. I would not be able to say anything. Well, you, well, guys you still have the worst story—a book-based story about why you wrote a story. Well, one of the reasons for the Dead Funny Collection, which is a haunting, haunting story. All oh, right, yes. But what was the reason that you felt there was no way of saying no to Johnny Maines, the co-editor of that? What did I? I can't remember now. You what did I didn't tell you, you have. Or was it? Maybe it wasn't you. No, maybe, it was oh, me. do you know? I think it was Charlie Higson. Right. 
It was. It wasn't you doing an event <laughs> with. Do you know what? He, there was a copy of Dawn of the Dead, the novelization of Dawn of the Dead. Right. And it was. We're all the same. We're all paralysing fear of a faux pas. Go on. Well, so Johnny said, I, I think it was an event with Dario Argento and George A. Romero. Right. Right. Ooh, right. And Johnny went, Charlie, please, can you just get this signed? And Charlie was like, oh, hang on. I, 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 I feel worried. He went, look, I just really, it would be wonderful. And so we took it to this event at the BFI and he got it signed. So a signed copy of the reasonably rare Dawn of the Dead novelization signed by Dario Argento and George A. Romero. And uh, he left it in the back of the cab. Oh. That's an agonising one because that's yeah. why Charlie still, because he knows the, you know, for, for people like us, the worth yeah. of such. So other people oh. mere detritus. And the fact that the cab driver just went, oh, someone's left this old shit back. He didn't, yeah, probably she, didn't go. No. Oh, this is, I imagine, one of the many collectible books that gets it. left in and the back of my And someone's written in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, chucked it. I, I want to ask you, is there any modern horror, uh, writing or filmed, that you really love? Oh, that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, I still, I love, I still love Stephen King. I know he's quite maligned. Is he? Maybe he isn't. No, but I think he's... Um, he still manages to do it. I've not got that new one, that bizarre... He's just written a new book of short stories, which I love. I think I think I love him. You know, he does it as a kind of five finger exercise. I think his short story writing, but he's one of the best at, at short stories. I think he, you know he's a he writes longer novels, but um, some of his short stories are great and have really stayed with me ever since Night Shift, which is his, one of his early collections. You know, he did the Ledge and those ones that became that were part of. I think it was they used they dramatized that in Cat's Eye, didn't they? And Quitters mm-hmm. Inc., the one about the not smoking. Yeah. Really good little short stories it's with sting, terrible stings in the tail. And, um, yeah, he, he still um, tickles me. I think he's got a, a way with kind of the mundane that's more horrific. You know, he's always been more interested in the the ghost in the radiator rather than in the gothic haunted house. Yeah. You know, that's a bit more... Small town, small More scary, yeah, more, more mundane, more close to home. There's a very funny thing. I just watched the Goosebumps film. It's like oh, a, right, yeah. And it's a kid's film. And also, there was me, and my friend, really and one 60-year-old man in the cinema, and I was like, this man has come to kill us. Why, <laughs> else, why else would he be here? And uh, so it's R.L. Stein who writes all these, like, Goosebumps and yeah. Point Horror and stuff, and he talks about Stephen King and the, the way they wind him up to admit that he is R.L. Stein because he's in disguise is they, the other guy starts saying, oh, I hate R.L. Stein. Stephen King's much better. Right, and R.L. Stein turns around and goes, Steve King! <laughs> and the brilliant. idea that he's known as Steve King in the yeah, industry yeah, is just yeah. hilarious to me. That is funny, yeah. No, I love Stephen I got kicked out of French because I was reading a Stephen King under the... Really? In year seven. Because my mum wow. was a French teacher, so year seven, too easy. Yeah. Year 12, too hard. Did you ever do that thing where you know when you'd have to read a little bit from the book that you'd reviewed at school? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I did... My book review was about The Spear by James Herbert when right. I was 11. God. And so I read the bit where there's someone who's stuck on the door. They've been basically impaled and they're hanging from a door and the blood's gurgling through their throat, but the feet don't touch the ground. And eventually Mr Clifton went, you can stop reading now. (laughs) And I was in a bit of trouble for that. Did you ever have any trouble for... Well, I remember venting all of my obsessions from when I was about 13 into a class presentation. You had to do something. And because I just wanted to do a bit of everything, I had like... the. The decapitation from the omen, the bit where she gets omen two when she gets the under the eye when he goes under the ice, mm-hmm. and then the the pecking of the eyes out in omen two as well. And then, but then I had, as well as that, I had a bit of the um, young Frankenstein a bit from them doing putting on the Ritz. So it was a weird mix. There was no coherence to it other than these are all the things I love at the moment. Please watch them. I'm going to make you watch them. 
But I remember saying, wrapping it up in, and if you listen to how um, Jerry, Jerry Goldsmith's music enhances the scene, and we're trying to pretend it was all part and parcel of some kind of reason to do it other than I just wanted to present people with my obsession. It must have been quite a strange, eclectic, odd mix, but it was kind of, I used it as a as a way of venting my obsessions with three particular films of, the, of that time. You and know. how did people react to it? I think they just thought that's just him. Then I think they knew what I was like by then. But I remember it going on too long. It was like, well, can we, we, we won't have to wrap, <laughs> it, wrap it up now, please, Reese. I watched, did you ever see Omen 4? Where he's a oh, isn't that this with a girl? Yeah. And then, how uh, can no, Omen be a girl? Is, is that a TV movie? <laughs> Omen 4. Oh, yes, it almost is. I've got it on VHS. I know, you. well, you may well be on VHS, but that doesn't stop it being a TV. The Howling 4 is also a little bit of a letdown, so I wonder if there's a kind of uh, number four. Did you ever show. watch the the film series House that was like about a haunted house? Yeah. I remember the film, the original film. William Cat, was it? William, William Cat, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Do you want a nice paper? House bag 4 was really bad as well. Mm. Does, did it get to four? Yeah. Wow. House 2 was terrifying. That was really frightening. I don't that was a, that one. the ghost of a serial killer coming back in the house. Oh. So did you ever... <laughs> All of my knowledge of horror films is like missing the golden era of yeah, like the 60s and 70s and just two. shit from the early 90s <laughs> from America. Well, it's it's basically once the non-stop sequels began, isn't it? That yeah, was the, the franchises. Um, Amityville 2 is good, though. Oh, that is good. Oh, it's Horrible. actually yeah. It's it's more it's it's more fun to return to than the first one, yeah, which is yeah. a little bit po faced. This yeah. did really happen, actually. Yeah, it really yeah, did yeah, happen. Yeah, we yeah, need to take yeah. this quite seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's true. What were your uh, in terms of reading when you start? What were the first after books about horror? Do you do you remember the first authors that you read? Like who would where would you start now for for anyone who's got a ten year old who's <laughs> intrigued by reading adult horror? Yeah. Well, what, I did. I was Edgar Allan Poe. I remember reading loads of Poe and being. I found it quite hard work, but very satisfying once I'd got past it. I remember attempting murder in the Rue Morgue several times. But um, I, I kind of got into his uh, his way of, of presenting that melancholy, and I, I did really enjoy him. And, yeah, I think him, and I remember reading Stephen King as well, but I think, and, I, and the classics, I, I remember reading Dracula is a great book, I think. Frankenstein's a bit dry. Yeah, I find. I think Frankenstein's a harder read. Yeah, to go it back. is. Yeah. I would say that would be not the one to, to go with. But Dracula is actually really good. It's not what you think when you read it because no one has ever done the book. Not really. Not actually. Mm. And it's very surprising the way that they present the count. And it's um, he's so genial and nice. And then that bit when he's when he finally spots finds him in his in his um, coffin and he's fat like a slug, mm. full of blood. He's, he looks different and he's all bloated and he's got ruddy cheeks and he, you know it's, it's great. It's very visceral and shocking so uh, yeah I would say those those are the ones that I started out reading so I thought well these I've got to read these these classics and Jekyll and Hyde as well I remember that being a really good book well that's a great I mean in terms of the, I, I only read it a few years ago right. I've never got around to reading it and then when you go well, this is, this is not the version Again, that ever not, exists yeah, yeah. the whole story is about someone going why is Jackal hanging around with this awful man, yeah, and basically yeah. the reveal—it's a reveal at the end, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not so in all the. I don't know any film version that doesn't basically just play it, going, "I'm Doctor Jackal. I I've am, made a potion." Yeah, <laughs> and that—that's a great that that in terms of a, a reveal. Well, it's good, isn't it? Because you're not with the person; you're, you're observing it. Yeah, and that's a different. That is a slightly different perspective that's never quite been done. I mean, I don't know how you do it now without. You know what's going to happen, don't you? You have to wrap it up somehow and. and hide it mm. as a reveal. There might be a way of doing it, but, um, yeah, I remember being surprised by that. But what about you? Were you always re reading 
Well, I read the Pan book. You see, the I always sat on the Pan yeah, books yeah, of yeah, horror. Of course, we were talking yeah, about yeah. before, which is oh, yeah, yeah, of course, I had the, and they and were grisly, weren't they? As well, some of them. Well, so, some of them. That's a, there's one that I remember, which I think is by Dulcie Fontana, Gray. Fontana book. Of Fontana Morrison. book that's and really the Fontana book of Black Magic. I right. think was the one where I remember stealing money from my mum's purse to get that. One was forty pence, one was fifty pence, and I yeah. think it's like they say. I must apologise to Simon Page. He was David Page's brother, by the way. I did steal one of your Doctor Who books every single time I went to your house. I used to be a bit of a pilferer, but I had a difficult time when I was three years old. So I blame it on that. Good. That's that out of the way. But uh, the, yeah, I know. I know it's a little bit of a. I suddenly I'm Jean Genet. Welcome to my thief's journal. What's he been stealing this time? He's been stealing more Doctor Who books. The um, not the Brain and Morbius one because they did that kids version, but uh, as opposed to the kids version, that was right, wasn't it? I think. Or was it Robot? Robot. I think it did a kids version as well as the kids. You're looking version. at me, but you might as well be looking at the wall. Yeah, and that's how I feel about almost no, the whole it's of so life. Bad. But this, yeah, the Fontana, the Pan, yeah. and then Edgar Allan Poe. I remember getting, and you're right. I think you almost. Someone wrote this brilliant thing about uh, Elvis Costello's album uh, Blue. It's a country and western album, right? And it's got Good Year for the Roses on it. I think that's right. And uh, this reviewer said, when I reviewed this for the NME when I was 23 years old, I went, I don't know what Elvis Costello's doing. It's just, it's not very good. And he went, but now I'm 45. I listen to Good Year for the Roses, and I go, oh. Yeah. Oh, I'm now old enough to understand. Yes, yeah, this means. And Edgar Allan Poe, when you start when you're young, it's kind of they are brilliant. I mean, I think yeah. they're still properly thrilling. Yeah. But also that level of melancholy. Yes, it's kind of profoundly, it's, it's horribly deep, isn't it? But I think well, Fall like... of the House of Usher is yeah. still. And it's that bit where, you know, we were talking in the other thing where we're talking about disappointing, where you go, you find out about the author and you go, oh, that doesn't fit with the human being I thought they were. But Edgar Allan Poe, you go, yeah. Yep, that's yeah. the kind of man who would I have written right, yeah. these. And the poetry. Yeah. Mm. The poet always longing after, you know, a thing that is out of reach or dead. Yes, yeah. Whenever I think of um, Edgar Allan Poe, I think of um, Will Adamsdale. He's a brilliant performer and writer. And he did a thing about him and he uncovered this letter where he was, uh, where Edgar Allan Poe was really, really overly defending his not alcoholism really like being like, and, and in there he's like my sole beverage is water <laughs> and it's like oh yeah I believe you I completely believe you there's that so, great I think it's in Torture Garden is it the, the only good story really I think it's another um, um, Amicus um, compendium film The Man Who Collected Poe and it's got yeah. um, Jack Palance Peter Cushing and it's um, Palance is this avid collector of Edgar Allan Poe's works and he meets Cushing who has a singular collection of very rare, rare, rare poses, and he starts to come across these stories that he's never seen before from Edgar Allan Poe. He's like, "Where did you get all these stories? Where are these from?" And it, it turns out he's got Poe downstairs. He's brought him back to life, and he's right. He's still writing. It's a brilliant, chilling it idea. Is, it's a very, it's a really good story, and they're brilliant, but feverishly, you know, that that kind of um, mad fan is brilliantly kind of portrayed by Jack Palance, who's brilliant in it. But um, that yeah, that's one of the better stories. But yeah, Poe was um, yeah deeply melancholic, and like you said, the poems are great, very moving. Some of them, but oh, great stories as well. The Black Cat and Cask of Montiada, they're, mm. they're really good little pithy stories if you you know if you can get get through them. Some of them are a bit turgid. I remember finding it hard to get through the Gold Bug. Yeah, the Gold Bug I think was like the first I got I got yeah. given for Christmas one of those big. Here's everything that's out of copyright, so we can package it cheaply. Here's yes. your Edgar Allan yeah, Poe. Yeah, yeah. The um, 
I have to the final book that you brought yeah. with you, which is Daniel now this Farson. is this I love is because my and it might have happened to you as well. Some of the people that we first met in the horror genre, Daniel Farson, who of course was actually someone he he, he ran a pub in Limehouse. He <laughs> hung around with loads of artists. He <laughs> was a real bon viveur hanging around again with Francis Bacon and all of these kind of people. But our first knowledge of him before we knew of his Limehouse days yeah. and some of the incredible artists and human beings he hung around with as he you know living next door to Henry Williamson was the Hamlin book of horror. Yeah. Which I think was probably my third horror book. I right. think it was the Horror Moves by Alan Frank, then the Dennis Gifford book, yeah. and then with their uh, a hand. That was one of my... Did you ever have things like uh, little props that you might have kept with you, like the hand that you could buy? Which yes, was a... yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I had a lot of the Aurora uh, Glow-in-the-Dark models <gasps> that you could See, buy. See, I'd love to get hold of those. Yeah. I, uh, the Phantom this... of the Opera, Luminous Opera. Face, or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. This picture, I remember it straight away. Yeah. Brilliant. This is the big, this is scene number one. Yeah. Scene number Just one the of the book Shambles Horror Film. But I've seen this pitch before, <laughs> but please yeah. you've never shown me this book. I, I have, there's a I'm feeling inside me. This Gurotic. is funny because being a girl, I would often get given like uh, annuals of like Bunty, Jackie, right. yeah. but they would always have kind of slightly titillating ghost stories and stuff in, oh. and they were always about sad Victorian child ghosts yeah. Yeah. that had died in They're a meal. Well, room. that's one of the, uh, Mr. James's best stories, isn't it? The uh, oh yeah, Lost Hearts, isn't Lost it? Hearts, which yeah. is both as a story and then also the TV adaptation Brilliant. still yeah. works so wonderfully. Creepy, yeah. Now, what I find sad is that the Hamlin Book of Horror, which has such great is. illustrations, yeah. and a while ago I was in uh, the the Brooklyn Museum. And they had an exhibition of the artwork from 1920s, 1930s, you know, all of the kind of shocking, thrilling, opium den right, stuff. Yeah. The Western, And apparently all of that artwork pretty much was destroyed. Artists oh, wow. went, I've done this crap, and it's this crap here, of this evil drugs baron, it's this crap here of a vampire, and they just threw it away. So no. the actual market that's left is apparently just a few hundred of literally hundreds of thousands God. that existed wow. because they were considered to be worthless, almost insults to what yeah, they wanted yeah. to be. I should wow. say, this story does not sound exciting. The man in Stoke-on-Trent. <laughs> That's not going to turn you, turn you on. Well, you don't know what he's done. Or what it's... he might do. But yeah, that's that. I remember that one very clearly. I remember being very, <gasps> so drawn into the, there's a chapter on real horrors and it has Countess Elizabeth Bathory and mm. it has Vlad Dracul and it has Sawney Bean, who I remember being quite obsessed with the idea. Sawney Bean, yeah. Yeah, the Scottish cannibal. Yes. Only the other day the I was writing how I wanted to see Gordon Ramsay's kitchen nightmare set in Sawney Bean's <laughs> restaurant <laughs> when he finds out that the, fucking human, blood everywhere. Yeah, the human meat isn't locally sourced, you yes. bastards. Yeah. But that is your right, and also has that lovely thing which was then used by Angela Carter in the Bloody Chamber, yeah. and then which was of course turned to Company of Wolves, which is that great, and also used in one of our uh, favourites when I say the hand of the uh, wolf or monster chopped off. I refer to. Um, I'll give in you Doctor Terrence House of Horrors. Simon Williams, I'll offer you. Oh, in Blood on Satan's Claw. It is in Blood on Satan's Claw. Yes, isn't it, it is. is yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. It's, it's great. Away. It's a cracky movie. Yeah, it's a really good one. A there. geographical guide to horror. Do you ever Please? find that, that when you're doing, because you, you're doing a new series of Inside Number yeah, Nine now, yes. and are there points where you and Steve sit down and then suddenly at the end of writing the basic plot out, you go, oh, hang on. Uh, this has been. Yeah, this do you find done. that because you've got such a, a <clears throat> knowledge of it that sometimes the knowledge is right at the back of the mind? Yeah, sometimes. I think. Yeah, I mean, we'll think of something and then, you know, hopefully... We don't really worry about thinking, 
in hindsight, oh, it's like that. I think because we think, oh, well, no one will mind it. But the other times I think we've thought, oh, that is too close to something and we better not use it because we don't want to be accused of it, even though we've gone through the entire process of thinking we've thought of it for ourselves. So I think, yeah, we don't want to ever um, appear that we're completely just stealing. I used to get annoyed with people who said of the League of Gentlemen that it was all um, just nicked. It was like, well, no, it's not purely that. I mean, it is, otherwise it would be... Anybody could do it, you know. There was, but it was definitely thematic, kind of tropes and um, fond memories of certain things. But it wouldn't just be; it's not just a, a collage of all our be- all our things that we we just wanted to act out. I hope. But yeah, I remember being slightly getting annoyed that people used to think it was, you know, more than more than a homage. It's simply stolen. <laughs> like yeah, because I don't think it's even a homage. It. It, it, it is. Well, it's not there homage, are things is it? Yeah. And, it's, and it's not parody. It, we do it to the hilt. You know, if we, in our horror moments, we try to be as properly horrible and horror, you know, and, and have it work in the manner that you'd want it to. It's never um, a parody of something, you know, like a uh, the scream, uh, the scary movies or anything mm. like that. You know, we try to do it properly. But of course, there is a lot of nods to things, and you know, some things have, we have worn them heavily on our sleeve. There's a bit in third series of League where some Mickey's painting something and the the pot falls over and it very much is meant to be like that slide from Don't Look Now with the blood mm. spreading over the picture. It took us ages to do it. But, you know, and there's some things we want people to think, oh, that's they're doing Don't Look Now. Yeah, that's not the story, is it? That's, that's not just going, here's a little yeah, image yeah. that a people can go, might, like, you know, we belong local get, or whatever. Yeah. There may, might still be some people who don't know Bride of Frankenstein yes. or that, that, that's a, a reference. Of course, yeah. Do you, um, who would you, we better wind up because you've got probably more weeks to, to try on as well. well you, you've only <laughs> written, I was interested when, when you wrote your story for, for Dead Funny. You yeah. said you've not written before just a prose piece that everything you've done has either been for, for yeah. television, wow, really? film or radio. Yeah. Gosh, that's interesting. Is there a difference, do you think, when you were writing that compared to when you're writing an episode of Inside Number Nine or when you write a cycle? What's the difference in, in the way that you, you create it? Yeah, that was. I found it much harder than to flesh out the entire. I just felt like there's. I felt much more trapped in the idea of there's a there's a way of doing this, and I don't, I'm not sure that I know it. And I felt like there was rules that I was just perhaps not party to. Was, but that's so quite, much better, isn't it? Well, yeah, I guess it's got to be, hasn't it? Because you're doing it f- fresh and just doing it yeah. as you would want to do it, and that is in its own way surprising and better than just being. You know, you don't want the 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 dummy guide and just kind of fit it in. But uh, of the York notes of how to write a short story. So I just I remember just really trying to think about the. It was like doing the what I normally do with a script, but having to fill in the thought process between. Right, you know, you can do everything more deftly, I guess, in a in, in a script because it's all visual. You know, you're generally trying to not speak as much as possible in a, in a script on for telly. Try and do you know, and you find that you can do it after rehearsing. You think actually, you don't need any of that whole page could go because I, we've worked out we can do it in a look you know mm. but with that story I was I was just really con- trying to concentrate on the on the eking out of the uh, progression of the madness and how but how you I like it when you've you've decided quite early on to side with a character and be empathetic with them but then find by the end that you've gone with them but they're they're completely mad but you've every step of the way every point in uh, and turning point for them has been quite carefully and deftly justified and you've gone with it there's that great book i can't remember i think it's is it john smith or paul smith a uh, simple plan which is a great story of and you're with that it's much of the book is brilliant and the film wasn't very good in, in the end i don't think 
where they find this pot of they find this money in the plane in the, the snow. Crash. I was just thinking about it's that a great it's a great book because it much he's a monster in him. He kills his mm. brother, and in, in the film they make him very sympathetic in that that moment, like it was an accident. The gun goes off. It's really calculated in the in the mm. book, but every step of the way he's justifying it, and you're with him or every right till the end until you realise he's just now killing people yeah. on a whim. But he's still managing to somehow justify it because you're in his head and in his thoughts. I, I enjoyed kind of using that time, the extra time in in telling that story, which felt different to writing a script and doing it all kind of that. The actor will do that internally, but I, I, I've only got the words that he speaks to do it with. So it was it was hard. I didn't. I wasn't sure I was successful or, or very confident in doing it. But I loved doing it. It was very enjoyable. No, it was great. That's that, that scene. And Josie, you have a story in the next I volume of Dead do. Funny as About well. Ghosts. Don't tell us any more. I know the. Uh, it's interesting. Actually, we haven't got. We've got to wrap up now. Anyway, yeah. but it was th- that bit about the difference between perhaps film and and a book, which is things like Graham Greene's short story, uh, the the Fallen Idol, the brilliant film, the Fallen Idol, which I hope you've seen, Ralph yeah, Richardson, yeah. and and it's um, the the story is exactly the kind of reverse that. The mechanism that drives it in terms of it's about uh, a guy who a little boy thinks has killed uh, his his wife. The, the guy's killed his wife, not the little boy's wife. And uh, the, he, in his desperate bid to defend this man that he loves, he actually incriminates him all, all the way through. <laughs> in the uh, book version, it's quite... He does kill his wife, and it works the other way around. It's, so, and it, it's a really intriguing yeah. thing. So Fallen Idol. That's my recommendation of short story. That? That's by Graham Greene. Sorry, and it's a magnificent film. Reese, thank you very much for coming. Oh, thank you very much Thanks for bringing for this uh, yes. absolute delight of the Osborne mm. Guide. I will be finding that before everyone else gets on to this. Uh, the what's your next thing that you're? Do- we obviously you're, do- you're filming a new series of Inside Start Number Nine. Number Nine soon, yes. So that's completely overtaken my life at the minute. So uh, yeah, we begin in um, a week, and we'll we've we deliver it by April, and then I don't know when it's on, but hopefully it'll be sometime next year. Fantastic. Yeah. Josie Long, exciting. you're now having your satsuma, and that brings nice, us to yes. an end. Nice little bit of citrus. Thank Christmas. you very much, Reese. Thank you. Josie, <laughs> thank you very much to uh, Trent as well. Uh, and uh, we'll be back. I will now uh, thank you very much, everyone who's pledged. So it means that uh, we can keep doing these uh, podcasts. And this week, this is who we're going to say thank you to. We will get to you all, I promise. I feel frustrated because I know there's a lot more horror things that I've read, and my brain is just Yeah, not but you know what? We've been in a really hot room for about four hours yeah. now. Yeah, and you've been dopey. trying wigs White on for the adult. whole time as well. Yeah. So, Josie, we are going to thank... Who are we going to thank this week? Well, firstly, I would say that all the episodes of the podcast and reading lists are available at cosmicgenome.com forward slash shambles. And I want to say thank you to Chris Blunt and thanks to Ellen, Mar- uh, Ellen Martell, who's really nice to me on Twitter. Thank you so much. Um, to Martin Shannon, to Matthew Podger, to Simon Everett, to Helen and Rob, to Zoe Corin. To the Funny Looking Podcast. Thank you, guys. Um, to Stuart Smith, to Harry Legg. Katie, Richard Ash, Andrew Evans, Stuart Cavaney, or Cavaney, again, pick the one that I produced, to Squozen. Amazing. Squozen or Squozen, that's a uh, that's up there with Geth. Uh, Edwina Chan, John Crowther, Simon... Oh, how Simon you, Gurria. Simon Gurria. Incredible um, Doctor Who writer. Oh, yeah, of course he is. And James Dalloway and Dominic Serlis. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, if we didn't thank you this week or the last week or the week before, we will get round to it. I do promise uh, we can't do everyone all at once. Thank you very much. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>